0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles and would you join me, Galatians, the second chapter, Galatians chapter 2. Some of you have had the opportunity to visit the Holy Land They call it the Holy Land because God in the flesh walked those paths, was in those cities, did his miracles by the Sea of Gennesaret or Galilee. But did you know that in Jerusalem there are two places where tourists, Christians, go to see where our Lord was crucified and rose again. There is the Catholic, the traditional site. The problem with that site is it's within the city gates, and we know our Lord suffered outside the gate. It also is a place that is obscured by religion. There's stuff hanging all over and incense burning. Uh, It's uh, entombed in a cathedral. Uh, I was there one time. I just had to go look. The place was crowded, and when I got to the supposed place where the cross was put in the ground, I looked down got a brief glimpse, and then someone shoved me out of the way so they could bend down and kiss the rock. And I determined at that time, I'm never coming back here again. (laughs) But there is a place outside of the city wall. It's called Gordon's Calvary because a believer, a British general, General Gordon, who had Uh, jurisdiction, uh, he and his forces over that area um, in the late uh, 19th century, he discovered this place, uh, did an extensive study there, found that it was uh, close to a garden, uh, and where he found uh, or where he believed that our Lord was crucified, you could look at the, the face uh, of that hill, and it does look like a skull. Uh, General Gordon took pictures. You can get online, see those pictures. It looks like a skull. It was also next to the main road that then went north into Samaria and up to Galilee, and, um, and the Romans would always crucify in a prominent place like that, uh, so that everyone could witness uh, what happens when you go against Rome. But in that garden, to, uh, in that garden, they found a tomb. There were Christ, ancient Christian markings on the walls. And that tomb fits perfectly the gospel description. I could say more about that, but when you witness that place, when you go to Gordon's Calvary and then the garden tomb. It is moving when you consider the the incredible impact that what happened there has had on this earth, on humanity. And yet we're still limited in in understanding the full scope of it unless we understand what the scripture says about what Jesus did us for us when he died on the cross. Unless we understand that literally his death and resurrection, those things that happened actually happen in us when we get saved. Now, you're, you're digesting that, but the miracle of the resurrection happens in you when you trust Christ for salvation. All right, and so we need to look at this truth. And I hope you're taking notes. Uh, Do it. Send yourself an email. uh, Take notes that way. Uh, I don't know today. I didn't look in the bulletin to see if there's a sermon note sheet. But I hope that you'll uh, take notes on what we're going to consider today. We live in a materialistic age. The advertising industry constantly bombards us with their version of what it means to really live, what's going to satisfy. Uh, Their goal is to make you discontent so you buy what they are offering or or their latest version of what they are offering, whether it's vehicles, vacation spots, uh, some hobby. Uh, If you're going to truly be satisfied, you have to own this product, okay? Okay. Though their goal is to make money, they do reveal what man believes. And that is that happiness and life satisfaction comes through what we possess. Now, the Lord has addressed that, hasn't he? A person's life does not consist of the things that they possess. Your value to God is not based on your monetary value here. Because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross and then his resurrection, the work in, that he does in our lives when he saves us causes us to really be able to live. And I want us to see that specifically in one verse that you need to commit to memory. You need to remind yourself of this verse regularly. And it's in Galatians chapter, chapter 2. And would you look at verse 20? And I want you to quote this verse with me. All right, as we read it, let's just say it together. Are you ready? Galatians 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Galatians 2.20 points to two events in our Savior's life that are the basis for two changes that happen in your life. Let me say that again. Two events in our Savior's life are the basis for two changes that happen in your life as a believer that allow you to really be able to live. And it's found in the truths that we just read and quoted together in Galatians 2.20. Now, what two events in our Lord's life brings the necessary change so that I can really experience the fullness of the life that God has given to me? The abundant life that Jesus promised. Well, here are the two events. Uh, You're going to recognize them, but we want to look at how they're to impact us. First, Jesus' death. And resurrection allows me to really live. Those are the two events, his death and resurrection. So if you're taking notes, mark this down. Jesus' physical death allows for the death of my old nature. Jesus' physical death allows for the death of my old nature. Now, I'm speaking generally because I may be speaking to unbelievers, Jesus' physical death allows for the death of your old nature, but unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ, nothing changes in your life. Now, I would word it this way for believers, Jesus' physical death does bring about the death of your old nature. Paul said emphatically, I am crucified with Christ. Crucifixion meant certain Death, and it's important we note that. So I am crucified with Christ reminds us of the reality of our Lord's crucifixion. He literally suffered, bled, and what? And he died. He died. Multiple witnesses attested to it. So when Religious non-believers say, well, he really didn't die. He just fainted. He went into a coma state and then woke up in the, in the tomb. All right, They are denying what happened. They're denying what the Bible says happened. And they're denying one of the key aspects of salvation for you and for me. So when I am saved, I experience a real death. Now, I'm looking at living people. But if you're saved, there was a part of you that died when you trusted Christ. And by the way, that's a great blessing. A part of you died. It was the death of your old nature. Now, this is what Paul refers to in Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Get in the picture. Death, destruction, old nature, old man put to death, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Question, how many sins does a dead man commit? Dead people don't sin. They don't get drunk. They don't commit adultery. All right? They're nice to their neighbors. That's why cemeteries are very quiet. (laughs) Dead people don't sin. Because of our Lord's physical death, we go from being dead in sin to being dead to sin. What a blessing. We can now practice the righteousness we are in Christ because we are dead to sin. And so Galatians 2 2 speaks of the other event. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. How can he live in me? Because he rose from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Nevertheless, I live. Now, this reminds me of the reality of the Lord's resurrection. So Jesus' physical death allows for the death of my old nature. Jesus' physical resurrection allows for the life of my new nature. Christ, the risen Lord, lives in me. Christian, when you got saved, you received the spirit of Christ. The resurrected Lord in all of his power lives in you right here. Wow. The same power that caused that stone to roll away and for him to walk out of that tomb, that possesses you. He possesses you. I was dead in trespasses and sins, but when Jesus saved me, he not only put to death my old nature, but he quickened me. He gave me a new nature his very life, his very person. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2? Go over one book. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is talking about this very thing, writing to the Ephesian church, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, if you're reading the King James, hope you are, but in verse 1, hath he quickened is what? What do you see? It's italicized. You mean that it was added? Yeah, translators added it. How do we know that that's legitimate, though? Well, go down to verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. So they added it earlier in the context to help our understanding, and you have it quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So before I got saved, I was a walking dead man. I had physical life, but spiritually I was dead as dead can be. And by the way, I proved it. I could claim to be whatever, but I had no power over sin. None. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. So I received new life. I was brought to life by Christ. And I like verse 5, how it ends there. How'd that happen? By grace you're saved. It's not me working. It's not me making something happen. It's by grace through faith in Christ. So at your salvation, Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, took up residence inside you. And what was dead became alive. Never forget my dad's testimony. He told me about a couple things that he struggled with before, really struggled with before he was saved. One of it was his language. Uh, Being full-blooded German, and and we know this from our family heritage, uh, those guys were all angry guys, and when they opened their mouth, you knew it. And so my dad got saved on a weekend. He said on Monday morning, he was in the cow barn and dropped a bucket of feed, and it, it landed squarely on his big toe. He said normally his mouth would open and the cows would hear things they didn't understand. <laughs> he said it hurt, he opened his mouth and it got to about here and something inside him said Christians don't talk that way. What's that? New life. New life. He had been quickened. He had been made alive. I never heard my dad use a bad word. Not once. In fact, I look back, there were times that I saw righteous anger, but I never saw him lose it. God changed my daddy. All right. So what was dead became alive. Now, going back to Romans 6, listen to verses. You can look at it if you'd like, but listen to verses 11 to 13. Again, this teaching Jesus' physical resurrection allows for the life of my new nature. Verse 11, Romans 6, Likewise reckon, think this way, consider it to be so, because it is. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12. So let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You don't have to obey sinful passions. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, now watch, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So when I trusted Christ as Savior, my old nature got put to death. Now, some folks feel that differently than others. I don't remember a lot about that. Some who I've heard many adults say they got saved later in life, and when they got saved, it was like a 100-pound weight got lifted off their shoulders. In Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan refers to that. He talks about that. What is that? Well, I think part of that is they're sensing, experiencing, and it. Does, if you haven't, didn't ex- experience this, it still happened in you, so don't misunderstand. But it's like I, I just felt freedom. It, it's like the slave master got put to death because it did. Your old nature. But what also happened is Jesus moved in. It all happened at the very moment you trust Christ. He moves in, and now you have resurrection life. You have a new nature. It's his nature living in you. This happens to you young people. It happens to adults. You can be a grandparent who's not been saved. You've tried to convince everybody you're saved. You're not saved. Uh, You're spiritually dead, if you were honest about that. But the moment, even as a senior, at the moment you trust Christ, instantly, old nature put to death, new nature who is Christ. Now, how do you, uh, let me me back up here. Let, Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, if you're born again, this is the reality of what has happened inside you. You are dead indeed, that's really dead, all right, dead indeed unto sin, but your old nature doesn't exist anymore, it's been put to death. But you have a new nature, the very person of Jesus Christ living inside you. You are now a new creature, a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and that's the passage, old things are passing away, all things are becoming new. And now, now, no doubt, some are thinking. In years, I thought this. In fact, I thought it to the point where I even doubted my salvation. If this is true, why do I still want to sin? If this is true, why do I still yield to temptation? Okay. Okay. I know I'm saved, but why do I sin? Why do stubborn sin habits continue to dominate my life even as a Christian? Well, Galatians 2.20 answers these two important questions. I'm sorry, answers this important question as well. Look back at the verse now. Let's, Let's turn back there. And in your Bible, you may even want to underline two words. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the, you ought to underline the next word, flesh. The life I now live in the flesh I live by or through, and here's the second word you need to underline, faith. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the other part of the verse that is so important to your sanctification, and I'll I'll just pause here and say. For years I didn't understand this. I was saved, but I struggled. I didn't understand really what had taken place inside me when Jesus saved me. If you can't understand, if you can't identify and define flesh, and if you can't define faith, you're going to struggle spiritually. It's terms that we've heard. We've heard, we can quote these verses, but if you can't define, it's not going to help. All right, and so understanding flesh and faith allows me to really live. So let's talk about the flesh quickly. Understanding the flesh. Did you know that your flesh... And the old nature are two different things. Please don't use those synonymously. Your flesh and the old nature are two different things. Before you were saved, your flesh did serve your old nature. But at salvation, the old nature is put to death. Your old man dies. However, you still have the flesh. Now look back at Romans 6, 12, and 13, and it answers this for us. Romans 6 and verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. There it is. That you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Your mortal body, I'm looking at it is still your fallen, not nature, your fallen flesh. And it's made up of your members. My flesh used to serve the old nature. The old nature got put to death, but Paul says there's still a law of nature in my members. This flesh still wants what the old nature used to want. It wants to sleep too much, eat too much, spend too much. That's the flesh. Christians no longer have a fallen nature, but they have fallen flesh. This is a present law of nature. It's as real as the law of gravity. It's true of you, it's true of me. It will be true until the Lord promotes us and I get a glorified body and when this flesh is set aside, the very presence of sin will be gone. I won't have any desire because I don't have that flesh anymore. I can't wait. So the Lord's going to change Get rid of our old flesh. Give us a glorified body, glorified flesh. Now listen to Romans 7.23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Not my old nature, it's gone. I'm dead indeed unto sin, but I still have these members. There isn't a lot of preaching about this distinction between the flesh and the old nature, but it's essential to our sanctification and our growth in Christ. Your flesh still wants to serve the former passions of your old nature, even though it's not there. It makes me think about some things that happen in nature. I grew up on a farm, we didn't have chickens. Praise God, they stink. But I like eggs. But I remember one day we, my folks would drive us into our Christian school, and we would pick up another uh, student in that Christian school, and they lived on a farm. And I remember pulling into that driveway that day, and the young man was coming to the car to load up with us to go to school, and Mom was standing over a block of wood with an axe, and there was a chicken. And we pulled in, and I looked, and she dropped the axe. I'll never forget what happened next. That chicken went crazy without his head. Running all over the place, running into things, and finally, done. Now, we're far enough from lunch, you're going to be okay, all right? (laughs) But here's the point there was no head, but. but those members still were working. You get the point? Uh, there are other reptiles and things where that happens. You can cut it off and it still wiggles and we're OK. Uh, all right, you get the picture. No nature, old nature, but still the flesh, still these members. So understand your flesh. So how do I stop serving the flesh? Well, that's in the verse. Understand the importance of faith. This life, I now live in the flesh. I live through faith. Oh, I'm safe so I can depend on these members to please God. Please don't. Doesn't work that way. Well, I just need to try harder. I used to hear preaching like that. You, you just got to deny yourself more. Now, don't misunderstand. The scripture does say deny yourself But all of that is an exercise of faith. What does the scripture say? Submit yourself, therefore, to God, faith, and resist the devil, and he'll flee. Right? I trust God for enablement in every area, and there are times I have to deny myself. And like Joseph with Potiphar's wife, run, run. Okay, that's denial. That's using the members to overcome evil with good. For by grace you're saved through faith. And the same trust that allowed you to be saved is going to enable you now to be sanctified. You acknowledged your deadness when you repented and you depended completely on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Lord saved you. Now, how do you overcome the flesh and live out the new nature that you already have? By faith dependence on the one who lives inside you. Nevertheless, despite the presence of this old flesh, you now live through faith in the Son of God who loved you, who died for you. All right, he lives inside you. Now, there's a key to faith that Christians must understand, and with this we'll be done today. Paul mentions it in Romans 7.23. I quoted it earlier. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. This is where natural law and spiritual law intersect. Natural laws. I, I mentioned gravity. There's a natural law, this flesh, that they can do surgery on and and whatever. This same flesh, the law is it wants to serve sin. It's who we are. But God also made us, whether we're saved or unsaved, there's a law of my mind. And what is the law of my mind? The law of my mind, Paul, refers to Romans 7.23, that brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Here's the law of my mind. You are going to do what you think. That's the law. Uh, There are a lot of educated people in this room. How can you do what you do? Law of your mind. There are people, perhaps today, who are hiding sin habits. Why do you do that when God has said, be sure your sin will find you out? You are yielding to the law of your mind, which has convinced you you're getting away with it. it it's a law. You're not getting away with it. But it's a law, right? <laughs> what does the scripture say? Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. Okay, So the key to your faith, your spiritual victory, your ability to really live is your mind. And so let me remind us of a couple passages. We're not going to turn here, but Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by... And what's the next verse? What's it say there? By the renewing of your mind. The law of your mind. All right? Be a living sacrifice. The only way you're going to flesh that out is by letting your mind be renewed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God as you depend on Him. Flood your mind with truth, with the washing of water by the Word, and let it push out all that other junk that's going to lead you to sin, that's going to please the members, the body. All right? Flood your mind with God's truth. Only think God's truth. Now, Paul will repeat this in Ephesians chapter 4. You're in Ephesians. Go over one chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. Why have we taken this time today? Because verse 21 is important. But so if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. We've tried to teach you who you are in Jesus today. If that is what you understand, then you are able to do this. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put it off. Now, what we looked at, the scripture already says it's been put to death, so what is he saying? the habits, the tendencies that were formed when you still had that old nature, put them off. Take them off like dirty clothes. Take them off. Look at verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. If Jesus lives in you and he does Christian, you already have the new nature. Hallelujah. However, how are you going to flesh that out? I skip verse 23. Look at it. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have the new nature, the spirit of Christ. He is going to guide you into truth. He's going to convict, comfort, warn He's going to pride you that what your flesh wants to do doesn't please him. So what do you do? When you have those promptings, yield to the Spirit of God, the truth that he's going to lead you into, surrender your mind to his truth, and you'll really live. You'll get to be like Jesus. You'll be satisfied uh, because your heart won't be full of things that that steal your joy, steal your peace. You and I are constantly, uh, or you and I must constantly use the law of our minds, again, a law of nature, to your spiritual advantage. How do you do it? By faith, we surrender our minds to Christ, to only think what is true and pleasing to him. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations. Empty, worthless reasoning. Your flesh, by the way, is going to lie to you. That extra piece of cake. I'll work it off. I just need this extra hour of sleep. And then you get up, run off into your day, and you haven't spent any time with God. Who's going to be in control, Spirit of God or flesh? Holy Spirit's going to be saying, look, trust me, get up, spend time with me, and I'll renew your strength where you won't need that extra hour. But you've got to trust me. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What we've been looking at today is the knowledge of God. It's Him revealing Himself to you so you know how to please Him and not your flesh. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise in the way the, the language works here, what the Lord is saying, only think these things. Anything else that you let in besides that list, it's going to turn you to want to please the flesh. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. I love that part of the verse. Why? Because I come to God for wisdom and sometimes I need his wisdom because I've yielded to the flesh. And now it's a mess. Lord, I need your wisdom. He should have thought of that earlier. No, he doesn't do that. Okay, here's my wisdom. We can fix this. I'll help you. Thanks for depending on me. Now I'll sort it out. He gives it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So, Christian, do you really want to live? You want to have victory over those stubborn habits where your flesh just convinces you, and you go through that cycle of guilt and shame and discouragement and, and all the other stuff? Well, you've blown it, God doesn't want to hear from you. God can't use you, and it, that's the flesh. By the way, many times teaming up with Satan. They're good allies. They're bad allies. So the potential is already built into you by the laws of nature and the new nature that you have in the person of Christ so that he can use your faith and work in you through the law of your mind to help you have victory and please him. This understanding will result in peace, contentment, satisfaction in your heart, give you victory over sin. So don't forget We are crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live. Yet, it's not us, but Christ that lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, Christian, we live through faith in the Son of God. By the way, remember, without faith it's impossible to do what? Please God. See the connections? We live through faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the practicality of these truths for using the Apostle Paul. The passages we've looked at today, these are things that Paul understood by the Spirit and you've graciously given them to us by your Spirit so that through faith in the indwelling Spirit we can have righteous lives and satisfied lives and really live. So, Lord, would you help these truths to stick in our minds and in our hearts? And, Lord, would you cause Good News Baptist Church to be a church where there is genuine growth, where there is progressive sanctification happening, because we understand, Lord, if I can use these words, the mechanics of what you've shown us today. It's built in us as new creations in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry. Thank you for what faith does as we yield our minds to you. Help us not to be just hearers, but doers of the word. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org, or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's Word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make Him known to others.